Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Look at verse 8. Look what Solomon says here as he's writing. Now Solomon's writing the book of Ecclesiastes later on at the end of his life. He's lived life. He's, he's, had, a, he's had it all. He's had all the women. He's had all the fame. He's had all, had all the money. And this is what he says at the end of his life. After, he, after he's had everything a man could ever dream of having, this is what Solomon says in verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. So Solomon wants you to know one thing. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. You know, we tend to judge things or how they begin, and that's how we think things are, how good things are, how they begin. But that's not how we should judge things. We should judge things on how they end. How something ends, how you should judge things. The world's caught up in judging things, how they begin, how they're, how they're doing in the middle, but God always wants you to look at how something ends. How something ends. And I want to preach this morning on the end. The end. The end. You know, when you watch a movie, and I don't know about y'all, but I've watched a lot of movies during my lifetime. And you watch a movie, and a movie starts out pretty good. I don't know how many movies start out pretty good. And you know, this is going to be a good movie. And then the ending is bad. Amen. You get to the end, and it don't end like you want. Somebody dies, and they don't, they don't make it, or they don't live. And to me, it don't matter how the movie begins. If the movie has a bad ending, it's a bad movie. It's a bad movie. You know, me and Jake were just in here a couple of weeks ago talking about a movie me and Jake both know. We're talking about, man, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen until you get to the end. And it's the worst movie I've ever seen. It ruined the whole movie, the ending. And he was reading the book to that movie. And I said, does it end any different? And he said, oh, not really. (laughs) I said, well, I don't want to read the book then. It's going to be a bad book. It's not how it begins. It's how it ends. It's not how you start, friends. It's how you're going to finish. Listen, don't, don't get caught up on how something begins. You need to look at the ending. God says there, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. We need to look at how something ends. I've met a lot of Christians in my life and been around a lot of older Christians. You, when you get into a church, a real good church, there's a lot of Christians that have lived into their 70s, their 80s, their 90s. And I've never been around a Christian at the end of their life that regrets living the Christian life. No regrets. Never met one. Never met one that says, you know, I regret being a Christian. If anything they regret, they didn't do more for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They had a, a full life. They loved the Lord. And they, you know what? They're looking forward to meeting Jesus Christ up in heaven. That's the ending you need to have. And if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to have a good ending. Look at Proverbs chapter 14. Turn back a couple of pages to Proverbs chapter 14. We're looking at the end. The end. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Listen, guys, the Bible's real plain about it. There's a way that seemeth right unto man. You see the way people are living. You know, man, that's the way to live. All that fame, all that fortune, all that money, all they have, everything. That's what I want. And as a young man, that's how I used to think. I'd see these movie stars, and I'd see these rock and roll stars, and I'd say, man, that's the way. All the fame, all the money, all the women, that's, oh, that's what I want. That's the way. And the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And as I became an older man and I got to looking at some of these men that were, that were raised up with this, all this fame and fortune, be it rock and roll stars, be it movie stars, their end usually is not very good, is it? You just look at the, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. How'd he end? On a toilet, dying of a heart attack. They say now they're saying he was constipated, died, ugh, died, killed over, drug over. I think it's a drug overdose. He had so much drugs in him, they couldn't figure out what he died of. 
Why was he taking all those drugs? Because the end wasn't very good for him. Recently, we had Robin Williams take his own life. Tie some around his neck, get on a doorknob, and just hang himself, kill himself. He's, he's a comedian. It looked like he had all the fame. He had all the fortune. How many of us in here, and don't raise your hand because you'd embarrass yourself, would have loved to have met Robin Williams when he was alive? Oh, I'd love to meet Robin. He's, so he's such a funny guy. Look at his end. Look at the end of a thing. You've got to look at the end of a thing. It says here, there's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, uh, there's nothing that drives me any crazier than to see these beer commercials. And I turn on the TV and they'll show these beer commercials and they'll have like a volleyball net there and they'll be out there partying and, and they'll, they'll have a, a young girl and she'll be in a bikini and, you know, she's beautiful. She's hitting the volleyball and they'll have a young man buff and he's hitting the volleyball, you know. It's Miller time, you know, and they, those beer ads and they're show, always showing the beginning of drinking. But I've never turned on the beer ads where they show the end of drinking. And y'all know what I'm talking about when I say the end of drinking, where they're over the commode. <laughs> Are the ones I know, this is the, here's the end of drinking like I know. Come here. You know, just fighting out in the street. Got, somebody's got a knife trying to stab each other. You know, making a fool. Lecturing over some woman. That's the end of drinking. But the beer ads, they want to show you the beginning, but they don't want to show you the end. My friends, stop looking at the beginning and look at the end of a thing. God bless Sister Alice Martin. We were sitting at that birthday party. We were sitting around and somebody said, uh, somebody said to me, uh, I don't think there's necessarily nothing wrong with drinking. I don't like it, but I don't think there's nothing. No, I don't drink, but I don't think there's nothing necessarily wrong with drinking. And Sister Alice Martin, she spoke up real quick. She said, I grew up with somebody that did a lot of drinking. And there was something definitely wrong with drinking. I don't want no part of it. See, that's somebody who's lived it. That's somebody who can tell you what the end of a thing is. Nobody drinks a beer thinking this is how it's going to end. Without a job, living under a bridge. Without your family, nobody thinks that way. Nobody puts that needle in their arm where they're doing that drug thing and it's going to end in prostitution, under a bridge, in jail. Nobody thinks that way. They begin thinking it's going to be a high. It's a way of having pleasure of sin for a season. But that's the problem with sin. It's only for a season. And then there's an end. There's always an end, my friend. There's an end. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof, the end thereof are the ways of death. God bless you, Sister Martin, because she's made a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and made a stand for alcohol. I know that when I make my stand for alcohol, I don't have a lot of people stand behind me. But the people that do stand behind me are people that have lived it. The people that have lived in sin, have lived it, and seen what that sin can do. And it drives me crazy to see the way people glorify drinking and glorify sin, and they don't see the end of it. They, you see, you turn on these movies and they glorify somebody cheating on their wife. They glorify somebody going out trying to, trying to get them a little sum or whatever they want to say. But they don't show the end of a thing. They don't show the venereal disease. They don't show the family broken up. They don't show the little kid crying because their mom and dad are broke up. Mama's never coming home. Daddy's never coming back home. He's dead. She's dead. They don't show this stuff. They don't show the end of a thing. It's high time we need to start looking at the end of things. Start contemplating what's going to happen in the end. The devil's got you looking at the beginning. And if you read the Word of God, God's always trying to get you to the end. Look at the end. Look at the end. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17. We need to look at the end. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Verse 17. Here's something that's going on in the society today, even among, uh, among some Christians. 
It's right here in verse 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Guys, you don't need to be envious when you look at these sinners. You look at somebody and they're living that life and you kind of get envious on them. You say, well, that's kind of what I want. Don't look at what they're living right now. Look at the end of a thing. Don't be so envious of them. There's going to come an end to a thing. There's a pop star over in India. This just happened recently. This pop star of India and her gimmick was this rock and roll star. She'd come out with snakes on her. See, she'd have all these snakes like boa constrictors and stuff. She'd come out singing to snakes. Well, one of the guys, her snake handler, he brought her out a king cobra. And the guy brought it out. It, didn't, it, it still had his fangs. And what they were doing is they would tape these uh, snakes with some tape so the snake couldn't bite them. That's how they tried to protect this girl. Well, she's out there singing her song, and they let this king cobra out, and the king cobra's out, and she picks it up, and the thing doesn't have tape around it. So guess what happens? She puts the king cobra down. She steps on that snake. It reaches up, bites her in the thigh. So the snake handler runs out to her and says, You're bit. I need to get you some antidote. You know what she says? Get away from me. I'm singing my song. Get away, I'm singing. Get away. And they tried to get her to take that anti- antivenom so it could help keep her from getting killed. And she said, get away, I'm singing. And she kept on singing. And it wasn't very few minutes later that she started choking. She fell down, started vomiting, started going into seizures, died right there on stage. The end. You're bit with sin. Sin has reached up and bit you. You need the antivenom. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is the antivenom. And if you need the antivenom, don't leave here without getting the cure. I don't have the cure. Nobody has the cure, but Jesus Christ has the cure. And He's begging you, come here, let me give you the cure. Let me cover you in my precious blood. Let me save you. You've gotten bit by sin. Let me save you. Does it not remind you of Moses when he was in the wilderness and they started complaining and they, they complained about Moses and complained about God? And So what did God do? He sent these fiery serpents and they started biting everybody and they started dying. Come to Moses, please help us, help us go to God and help us. We're being killed by these serpents. So Moses goes to God and God says, I want you to take a brazen serpent, a brazen snake, a snake made out of brass, put it up on this pole and lift that pole up. And anybody who's bitten, when they look up on that snake, when they look up on that pole, they'll be healed. And that's what he did. He put up that snake, put the snake, put it up on the pole, and they looked up. And anybody who's bitten, when they'd look up, they look up on that snake and they were healed. Their faith and that thing hanging on that cross healed them. Jesus Christ says, as a serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Whosoever believeth in me shall not be condemned, but whoever believeth not is condemned already. Guys, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. He is the anti-venom. But you look at this pop star, and she just didn't get it. And at the end of her life, the end. Turn back to Ecclesiastes, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Don't envy sinners. Listen, guys, you know, you look at some of these guys, and they might live, these wicked men, they might live a long life. And you look at how they're living, and you say, man, look at that guy. He's, he's, he's wicked, he's vile, he's got all the money he's got to imagine, and he's, he's 80 years old. And we see them at the end of their life, and you say, look, they didn't get theirs, Brother Keegan, but don't ever forget the end. The end is not here in this life right here. The end, there's an end coming for them. And they think, well, I'm just going to die, and that's going to be the end. No, 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 no. That's just the end for this time right here. The Bible says the end is when heaven and earth is passed away and you stand naked before a God on a light throne. 
You stand before Him and He starts to look down at you and He says, I'm going to judge you for your sins. I'm holy and I can't let you into heaven. Let me judge you for who you are. That's the end. It's the judgment. The end is the judgment. We should never forget that. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. And the living will lay it to his heart. What does the Bible tell you is the best place you can go? The best place for you to go is a funeral. Look, verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning. The house of mourning, the funeral. It's better to go to a funeral than to go to the house of feasting and go to a party. Why? Why is it better to go to a funeral than a party? For that is the end of all men. And the living will lay it to his heart. God says out his word that it's better for you to go to funerals than to go to parties. Why? Because the Word of God says when you go to a funeral, it makes you examine your life and know there's going to come an end. Nobody likes to go to funerals. And that's why. When you go to funerals, it makes you think of your death. You see your loved one laid out right there. You know what it makes you think? It makes you think, I'm going to die and I'm going to be laid out right there. It's coming. Death is coming. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Why is it so important to go to a funeral? When you go to a funeral, it makes you examine yourself. When I'm at funerals, I examine myself, and I start thinking about my family and my relationships. Why? Because some of my family might die, or I might die. And I want to spend as much time with my loved ones, and I want them to spend as much time with me. That's a good thing. When you go to a funeral, it makes, it makes you think of your character. When you're at funerals, it makes you think of your character. It makes you think of what are they going to say about me when I'm laying out there in a coffin. You ever been to funerals? Or I've been to funerals where I've been sitting there and they get up there and go, Oh, John Doe was such a great man. He was so loving. He was such a great father. And I'm sitting in the back going, Who is this idiot they're talking about? This ain't the guy that got laying up there in a casket. Because he wasn't a great guy and he wasn't a great man. He was horrible. I went to one funeral and they had this, this girl come up there and she had one of her kids. She goes, oh, he was a great dad. He was such a great dad. Oh, I loved, he loved his kids so much. And I was there with my friend sitting in the back. And I turned to my friend. I said, I don't even know who she is. I don't know that kid. And me and him hung around him all the time. He just some illegitimate kid that guy had. She brought there like he was the best dad in the world. He was such a, he was such a great dad. He never mentioned your kid. <laughs> He never talked about his son. He never talked about that kid one time. I'm not going to say that, but that's what I'm thinking. It makes you think. People are going to stand up here and say stuff that's not true about you. What what are people going to say about you when you're laying in that casket? What's the end going to be for you? What's the end going to be? The most important thing is when you're at a funeral, it makes you think about your relationship with you and God. Because you look out there and you see that person laying there and you know, if you know anything, they're gone. They're laying in that casket, but that's not your loved one. They're long gone. They're long gone. And you're wondering, where are they at and what's going on between them and God? You know what would be the, be the second thought in your mind? What's going on between me and my God? Amen. I don't know how many funerals I went to. Well, they went way, way too early. I get the call. They're dead. And just like that, two or three days later, you're at their funeral and you're thinking, I just talked to them a week ago. I don't know when God's going to pull your number. God's telling a story with your life. And in the end of that story with your life, they're going to put a period and they're going to put the end. The end. 
What's your life going to say at the end? The Bible says it's better to go to a funeral than a party. It's better to go to a funeral than a party. You know, when I've been at funerals at Christians, it's a lot different than being at funerals with the ungodly. You ever notice that? I've been at funerals with the ungodly and people, oh, oh, wailing and crying and everything. And I've been at funerals with, with Christians and there's people smiling. I've been at a funeral with a Christian lady, dear Christian lady, and we got around the piano and we were singing. At a funeral, we were singing songs to God. Amen. We knew we were going to see her again. We knew where she was. We knew she was better off. That's what a funeral makes you think. A funeral makes you think, God is good. God is great. He's got a place waiting for us. She's gone on. Everything's wonderful. Man, I've been to funerals of this dear saint of God. Her name was Barbara Gray. And people got up there talking about her and talking about all the ways she touched their life. And I knew she had touched my life. And I knew this Christian lady had done so many things for God. And I thought, man, when, when, my, when I come to my end, I want people to be able to say that about me. I want people to, that you don't even know to show up and say, you know what this guy did right here? He did this when nobody knew about I want people to be, talk about me like that. I want my end to be like that. I don't want people to have to get up and make things up about me. Oh, he was a good man. I don't want people to have to make stuff up. I want them to be telling the truth, amen? I want the truth. Look at Psalms 107. Psalms 107. We're talking about the end. You know, uh, old Charles Finney was a great man of God, and he was wanting to be a lawyer. And this great man of God, as he, as he wanted to be a lawyer, he was sitting around in a law office, and he was sitting down, and it was early in the morning. It was just him, and he was sitting around, and all of a sudden God, in a still, small voice, talked to Charles Finney and said, uh, what are you going to do? Charles Finney says, well, I'm going to become a lawyer. And, he goes, and then the, the voice of God said, then what? I'm going to get rich. Then what? Charles Finney said to his mind, I'm going to retire. Then what? Charles Finney said, I'll die. You know what God said to him then? Then what? Then what? And it shook old Charles Finley up so much. You know what he said? He said, the judgment. The judgment. And Charles Finley ran out that office and he ran off into the woods. He stayed out in the woods all day long talking to God, praying to God. And they said when Charles Finley came out of that woods, when he came out of those woods, he was a changed man. He said, I'm going to live the rest of my life for God. I'm going to do something for God. So when I get to the end and I get to the judgment, I can stand before my God. And that's exactly what he did for 50 years. He changed the world for Jesus Christ. Only because he started thinking about what was going to come in the end. And he did that because God said, then what? Made him think about the end. Look at Psalms 107. Look at verse 23, please. They that go down to the sea in ships, they do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifted up the waves thereof. What the psalmist is talking about is a man that's on the sea. When somebody's on the ocean, there's nothing that's more humbling than being on the ocean. Just going up to the, to the edge of the ocean on a beach and you see all that water and miles and miles. It humbles you down. You see those waves coming up. It humbles you down to see the power of the sea. And for a man, a little ant of a man, to be on a little ship and to be surrounded by the waves and see those big waves coming up and, he's on, and he knows that God's hand is in all of that. It humbles him down. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifted up the waves thereof. Look, verse 27. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They get into storms like that and the sea is going up and down and they're in that boat and they look up and they see those waves that are about 30 feet tall. And What happens to them? They start thinking about God. Read the story of Jonah. 
When digging in that storm with Jonah on the ship, those men that were ungodly, they started thinking about God. They said, somebody's on here. We need to figure out what's going on because God's trying to kill us. You get close to God when you're in your storm of life and God starts sending those sea waves of the storm of life into your life. When God starts doing that to you, you start thinking about God. That's why God does that. He brings those storms in your life to make you think about Him. Now see, that's what's going on here. Verse 26, they mount up to heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. They can't stand there going back and forth. But look at the end of verse 27. And are at their wits end. I got a question for you. Are you at your wits end? Are you at a time in your life where God has sent this storm and you're just staggering around and you feel like a drunken man. You feel like you've been punched here and punched there and you can't stand. And this life is just, it's just, you're at your wits end. You just can't take anymore. You've had it up to about right here. And you feel like you're just struggling not to drown. Are you at your wits end this morning? I got some good news for you. Look at verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord. In their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. (laughs) Amen. I got some good news for you this morning. If you're at your wit's end, Jesus Christ is here for you. And if you will simply just cry out unto the Lord, cry out unto the Lord, he'll save you out of your distresses. He wants to save you. See, he loves you. And sometimes He brings these storms into your life to shake you up. Because, see, you're living your life and you're going along and going along and things seem like... But, see, God sees what the end is going to be. See, and you're way back here in your life and you're thinking, oh, everything's going great. I've got all the money. I've got all the fame. Oh, everything's all right. But God sees what's going to happen at the end when He has to cast you into a devil's hell and He doesn't want you to go. So as he looks down, as he sits at the end, and he sees you coming towards him, he says, I don't want this dear so I love him. I don't want him to go to hell. So he brings a storm into their life. And he says, I want to save you. I want to save you. I want to save you. And are you at your wit's end? Maybe God's put you at your wit's end, so you'll cry unto the Lord. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, what is our desired haven? Heaven. See, The end for me is not this old wicked world. The end for me is not some old grave out there in the cemetery. The end for me is a place called heaven. That's my desired heaven. Now, you might get around me and I might get a little down sometimes. Sometimes I get a little down living in this old wicked world. And you live in this wicked world and things get you down. But listen to me, I've never been at my wit's end again. Because I know where my desired haven is and I know my Lord's going to get me there. Amen. Amen, I know that. Verse 30, then are they glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto the desired haven. Look at verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Amen. That's why we sing songs to Jesus Christ. That's why we come in here and hear things preached about Jesus Christ because he's so wonderful. 
He's so wonderful to save me and to save this old wretched sinner and to give me a place called heaven to go home to. Why did he do that for you, Brother King? And simply because there was a time in my life as I came to Jesus Christ as a sinner and I cried unto the Lord, Lord, will you save me? Lord, will you save me? I don't want to go to hell. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done some bad things, Lord. Will you save me? Oh, man, the loving arms of Jesus Christ just came in to the Holy Spirit and said, I love you. I love you. I love you enough to die for you, and I saved you. I know the end of Brother Keegan. And the end of Brother Keegan is a home in glory. And it's not because of what Brother Keegan did. It's all because of Jesus Christ. All because of Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can you think of a time in your life that you cried unto the Lord? Jesus was walking on the water as he was so miraculous to do. And as he was walking on the water, he called Peter out to him. And Peter, with all the faith in his heart, he stepped out and Peter started walking on the water. And as he walked on the water to Jesus Christ, Peter got out there and all of a sudden Peter looked to the left and Peter looked to the right and the waves were kind of high and he, he saw the wind and he started sinking down. He said, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached down and saved him. And the Bible says, hand in hand, they walked back to the ship. Listen, if you're out at your wit's end, and you've been trying to live it all by yourself, and you've been looking at the storms in your life, can I ask you to cry out to Jesus Christ to save you? Lord, save me. And the Lord will do just like he did me. He'll reach down and say, I'll save you. What do I have to do to get saved, Brother Keegan? Simply believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You've got to believe that he was born of a virgin. You've got to believe he walked on the earth. You've got to believe he died on the cross of Calvary for your sins. Amen. And you've got to believe this. You've got to believe that they put him in the grave and three days later he came up. Amen. To live forevermore. You've got to believe in his death his burial, and His resurrection. Amen. You need to repent. You're going this way. You started out in the beginning, you're going this way, and the end is death, and the end is hell. And you need to say, I'm going to turn this way back to God. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to stop drinking. You don't have to stop smoking. You let the Lord take care of all that. You just come to Jesus Christ the best way you know how. When I came to Jesus Christ, I didn't realize how wicked a sinner I was. Now I look back, I'm like, man, I was so wicked. You know what I'm going to say 20 years from now? I'm going to look back and look at me 20 years from now and go, I was so wicked. Jesus Christ will save you just like you are. Let Him clean you up. Let Him take you and clean you up. But whatever you do before you leave these doors, make sure you know that you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as a personal Savior. Jesus Christ told Nicodemus, when he was talking about being raised up on the pole, he told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. You've got to make Jesus Christ your personal Savior. You can't be the, Jesus can't be the Savior of your mom and dad. Jesus Christ has got to be a Savior for you. You've got to personally say in your heart and bow down and ask Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, I don't under, understand everything, but I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to hell. Will you save me? And I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ will come down and save you. We're about to give an invitation, brother. Brother Wade, come on up here. 
And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we're about to sing a song. And we're going to ask you to come down the aisle and we ask you to come down the aisle and take Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're not trying to get you to join this church. We're not trying to get you to do anything you don't want to do. We're just trying to get you to publicly take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know what Jesus Christ says? If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. You deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Man, wouldn't it be a sad thing to get up into heaven and look around and your loved one's not there. Your wife's not there. Your husband's not there. Somebody didn't make it simply because they wouldn't take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is for you. This is your chance to take Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as I'm about to go into this invitation, Lord God, I ask that your Holy Spirit will just move, Lord God. Speak to hearts. Let them know that they need Jesus Christ. Let them know they need a Savior in Jesus Christ. Lord God, let them know how much you love them. That you're willing to die for them, Lord God. You've done it all that they might simply believe in you by faith. Lord, make that real to them, Lord God. Lord God, as we sing this song of invitation, Lord God, you'll lay it on their heart and they'll come down the aisle and get saved. Lord God, thank you for saving my soul so many years ago just that same way. Lord God, thank you for calling me, Lord God. Thank you for your words, Lord God. Thank you that my end is not going to be bad. It's going to be with Jesus Christ. Thank you for the end in Jesus Christ. Lord God, thank you that you've made our ending so wonderful, Lord. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting your care upon him